This podcast is a collaboration between Costard and Touchstone Productions and the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the How Not to Make a Movie podcast. I'm Alan Katz. And I'm Gil Adler. Today, you know, we're we're going to do something we, we haven't had a chance to do in our podcast since really since season one, which is really just sit and shoot the shit. Oh, uh, I think one of the, the, the joys of, of the first season that we haven't gotten to do in, in the second season is you know, we would just sit and, and reminisce and, and try to remember all the things that happened, how we how we how we met, how we got Tales from the Crypt, the the larger story of Tales from the Crypt of doing it, the two movies and, of course, Bordello of Blood. Um, so many, you know, there are so many little stories that, that we just haven't gotten around to that have gotten not just short shrift, but no shrift whatsoever. Uh, when, when we first got, when we first got Tales, um, it was, as we, as we've said in the podcast, it was, it was rarefied air. Now you had been, you had breathed rarefied air already you had because but you you'd been doing it longer than i had you had made some feature films you'd uh you'd worked with kirk douglas you'd worked with brian de palma you'd 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 worked with uh irene cara wasn't was that before or after when she worked with you it was that before or after fame it was after fame all right so you know all right it was also it was also after um oh god what's her name uh Okay. Uh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. Uh, she was married to the tennis player. <laughs> <laughs> he was married to the tennis player. I threw him out of the soundstage one day. Oh my! You threw him on out that of- on that movie called Certain Fury. Oh gosh! Oh. Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, yes, yes. She was married to uh to uh, um. <laughs> that tennis player. Oh my God! Look at this. This is since a, he wasn't part of our movie or show, good, yeah, We'll just no. refer to him as, our, as the tennis and, player. And I and I listen to the guy all the time when when I watch tennis and uh, John, McEnroe. Johnny Mac. McEnroe. John McEnroe. Yeah, yeah, and he's 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 a terrific commentator. I, I love listening to him. Uh going back to the rarefied air. Yeah, the rare the rarefied air. Oh, that was so long ago. Uh, yeah, it, it was so. So you had. You 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 had uh, you had you had breathed it. Now, when we did uh, Freddy's, there were guest stars, but that was so ca- that was so intensely cable TV. Yeah, there were no there were no stars doing that. Robert Englund was the biggest star doing that show. Yeah. Uh, although it's funny, uh, the first the first episode the first episode that 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 we shot. Uh, Freddy's Nightmares was one that that you and I wrote. It was um, Welcome to Spring, to spring, spring, yeah, Springfield, Spring, Springwood, Springfield, Springfield. Okay, Welcome to that place. And uh, our the actress, the lead actress, was Mariska Hargitay. Right. And she, of course, she is. She she found oh she she found Pater. She she found that Dick Wolf situation and. She was very, very smart. She just she camped out there, and my God, I, I... twenty three years later, she's a very wealthy lady and oh, continuing God. to perform on the show. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, she, 
she she found a niche in which she was happy and comfortable yeah. and, and hey uh i bet she's happy or and she or was she was and she was delightful to work with even way back then oh sure 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 oh yeah 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 and and uh it it's funny at the time that that we shot that i lived in west hollywood remember that that place that little place with the swimming pool on slogan uh, sycamore sycamore yeah 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 oh oh my god that house oh it was it was such a strange block because uh, all right there was santa monica boulevard in sycamore and at yeah. night there was a uh, wild yeah the, the business but whatever the business was it was closed and you know usually there were there were hookers yeah. who would stand on that corner uh we had this weird weird little cute little house in the middle of this block set back from the street and surrounded by a fence and in front of the fence right between the street and the fence there was a three four car parking lot mm -hmm. exclusively mm -hmm. for the house and so really if you didn't know to look behind the gate as kind of wild as that block could be it was a bit of a a bit of an oasis there and we had a swimming pool we had a and this was really cool little house it's been since knocked down and turned into some really hideous condos, but mm, such as it has is. it really? I didn't, I've never been back there. Since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love working there. You know, we I would come in, get a oh, welcome oh, from yeah. Sophie. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we were we were away from the rest of the world, and we had our little cocoon, and it was fantastic. The reason that I brought that house up is because yeah. right up the street at the corner of Sycamore and Fountain, Mickey Hargitay had had his business. He had uh he was he's in the uh plants. Right, that's right. He he deals he's in the plant business. And his his business was a block away from where I lived. And so it was just you know, this town, when you work in this town, it's just the weirdest things happen. And it just to me it was strange that okay, here was my, you know, my first produced credit was this show mm -hmm. and the lead actress, her dad worked his place was just up the street from me this it just i wasn't so lucky i i didn't have anyone like that living up that block from me uh but you know, mariska was a terrific actress but not not a big star and but all right so so the freddy's years i i you know i my things that i wrote that we wrote you know we, we weren't getting you know we're still tv right and then suddenly, tails, and uh, big time, right off the bat. And the first order of business, as soon as we got tails, was that the first episode was going to be directed by Michael J. Fox. Yep. One of the the things that we we learned quickly, right in that first season, was that. The the executive producers, as they looked at the third season, especially because they figured that was going to be the last season of Tales from the Crypt, they they had larded it up with favors, and mm -hmm. the directing slots were all were prime. You know, everyone was fighting for those directing slots, and uh, Bob had you know I, I think he had he had promised one to Michael. Uh, yeah. Dick Dick Donner had promised one to Michael Thau, right. Uh, I think there were one, there might've been one or two other <clears throat> promises that were being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, how that worked out for us. 
yeah. you mostly because really that you became the 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 day school for for guys learning for people learning how to to direct uh my first really taste of 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 superstardom was when we did our first episode um and michael j fox was going to direct it he also played a small part in it but <clears throat> i've never i've never confessed this to anyone because i'm i've always i've always prided myself on not in any way shape or form being a star fucker and and i'm not i don't really i don't really to me it's i don't really care about meeting people it's working with people to me is the the interesting thing but this was the first time i had worked with someone of a pay grade a gazillion miles beyond mine mm -hmm. and uh the first thing that I had to do was I had to go meet with because I was the story editor. And so I was responsible for getting, you know, making all the scripts uh, ready for production. And uh, of course that involved working with the director. So the first director up first episode we were going to produce Michael was Fox. going to be directed by Michael. And so I had to go to where Michael was living at that time to go over the script with him. And he and his family were living at a hotel just at the westernmost end of Sunset Strip, one of those hotels. Not mm -hmm. it wasn't the, the Chateau Marmont, but another hotel that had uh, mm -hmm. bungalows. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Michael and family were, and Tracy were in in a bungalow. And uh, I I I remember you know looking at my wardrobe to think, God, have, have I dressed for the occasion? Have I you know really really stupid stupid things. And Michael was lovely, of course. And, you know, it was, you know, his kids were there and, and uh, I met Tracy and she was lovely. And in the next thing, you know, you're, you're, you're getting down to, to work and all of the stuff that, that, that you're, you're thinking, uh, you know, that all goes away mm -hmm. and everyone's just, we're all just people really collaborating together on this creative endeavor. When it works best, that's, that's how it works. And that was incredibly instructive. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, Michael was uh, was a student of the of the Bob Zemeckis school. Yeah, as as are we, and so we all understood, you know, that when when you break that when you break out the project, well, nothing else matters. And, and for me, you know, him as a as our direct one our, our director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I would go to him as I did to Tom Hanks and say, look, you guys are actors, you know, acting. Uh, I'm not going to try to tell you anything about how to get get a performance out of somebody, but I don't know if you're comfortable with the camera or you're comfortable with visual effects or makeup effects or, you know, the size of the lens, but we, I can help you with that. Alan can help you with that. And we have professional people throughout our crew that's, that are very competent in all those areas. So any area that you feel vulnerable, just tell us and we'll make sure you, it's covered properly and nobody will know except us. Mm. So we try to keep it very, very fluid and very, very honest and very, very um, accommodating to getting the best out of their uh, best work out of them. Uh, occasionally, it 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 didn't work out so good for us. Those, those favors. Now, I, I'm I don't mean to cast aspersions. Uh, I'm I don't know what 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 Mike Thau is doing these days. I I, I expect he's very good at whatever he's doing. Uh, at that particular time, 
I don't think he was quite prepared to step onto a film or t- TV set yeah. as its director. And I'll, I think let's, if we put it that way, I think we're being genuine. He was absolutely unprepared. And, you know, the, the problem with walking onto a film set when you're, when I say unprepared, I, I don't mean just unprepared with your shot list. I mean, unprepared emotionally. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's not unlike when you are trying to, to deal with a dog, for instance, if the, if the dog senses that you're the beta and it's the alpha, it will treat you that way. Uh, and a film crew is exactly the same way. And and if you're going to be the alpha, they will follow you. If you're Mm going to be the beta, they will, they're bitching and moaning about you already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're going to question everything you do. They're going to take three times as long to get it done because they don't, they don't trust you. Well, later on, I think, you know, in the season, we ought to talk about first time directors and working with first time directors. Yeah. What's different about that than working with somebody that's even made just one movie? Because that's a that's a whole conversation in and of itself. And that might help some of our younger people who aspire to be filmmakers. Have a vision, yeah. if, even if you're not quite sure how to articulate the vision or yeah. how to how to use the the vocabulary or or the equipment that we have to articulate the vision in your head. Well, that's why you've got a DP. That's why you've got a production designer. These people, that's yeah. their job. They will help you take it from uh, the stuff you can't quite put a name to in your brain and make it real. Yeah. Uh, that's well, we the- were very fortunate with people like Michael and with, and with Tom because they, they felt comfortable in their skin and they knew what they knew, but equally they knew what they didn't know. Yeah, they weren't oh, afraid, yeah. and they weren't afraid to say, "I don't know that." Hell, you know, can you guys tell me a little bit more about that? And bang, we would just jump to it. Oh, it and it was delightful. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world because working with confident people. Yeah, and look, confident people are confident in what they don't know. Right. And you know, hey man, I, I know I don't know this. Uh, I will go to expertise and yeah. that way, you know, I, I will decrease my chances of, of, yeah. of on my head. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, that's, that was the beauty of that particular crew. I mean, most crews are filled with competent, good people, but man, it was, because we were an anthology, there was never anything to fall back on. Well, every five days, the world changed. The sets changed. The props changed. The actors changed. The story changed. Nothing was re- nothing was reusable. Everything, everything changed. So every five days, bang, we were on a whole new world. Uh, as instructive lessons go, uh, uh, here's one that, that comes to mind. Another, <coughs> excuse me, another first that we experienced. Um, on that first season of Crypt, the first episode that we wrote that that went before the cameras was uh, the one with Whoopi. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dead Weight. Right. And, uh, That's the one Toby Hooper directed. Yeah, and, and oh, funny, there, there, there are a couple of stories that, that we can tell about, about that one, you know, that episode. First of all, working with Whoopi was such a delight. Uh I, I think I've, I might have told this story, but I'll tell it again. My one of my strongest memories of of Whoopi doing tales. Uh, she she was a huge huge comic book fan and a big fan of 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 the old DC comics. And just after she, I think the very first day she started working, she came into our offices there at the A One Globe Pasta Factory, 
and she wanted to know if we had copies of the comic books. And uh, of course, we, we had stacks of them in, in our boardroom where we held a produ our production meetings. Uh, yeah, we had the whole collection there, everything. Um, and we said, sure, sure, we'll, we'll bring them to your trailer. And she said, no, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have them I'm here. I'll, I'm here. And so we said, okay, we'll put them in the boardroom. She said, no, 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 no. I don't want to sit in the boardroom. I don't want to sit in the room by myself. I'll sit right here, standing in the hallway. I'm not here? Yeah, 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 just get me a chair. So we got Whoopi a chair mm. and a stack of the hardbound comic books. And she sat there. And this was the week after she had just won the Academy Award for Ghost. And so the the most recent winner, the Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress, Whoopi Goldberg, sat there in our corridor in a on a chair reading Tales from the Crypt comic books as people went back and forth. Some of them going, wait a minute, is that, is that Whoopi Goldberg? Right. It was... But that's kind of why she won the Academy Award because yeah. she she goes that extra mile, yeah. and does that extra research, and to get to learn more about what that show is about and what that character is about. Yeah, um, she was so much fun to work with. the The first shot, the opening shot of the episode, the the title sequence shot, Toby had designed a terrific oneer. Do you remember this? I do. All right. And it started, uh, it, the whole setting is tropical. And the very first scene, there's two people having sex. It's Red, uh, the character played by James Remar, and uh, oh, I forget, and Vanity, I forget the name of her character. Uh, but she's the mistress of the, the plantation owner, John Reese Davies, uh, hmm. who has this pearl that the James Remar's character, Red, he, he covets. So the the shot that, that Toby had had imagined, it started out, there was a, a mosquito netting over the bed. And it starts out on the mosquito, the mosquito netting and he drifts down. And at a certain point, Toby would say, uh, James. And James would sit up into the shot. Oh no, it was Vanity, right? It was Vanity, she's on top. Vanity and Vanity sits up into the shot and she's riding James. And so they're having sex. And as it slowly moves down, at some point he was, he, he was gonna say, and Gorgasm. And she was going to pretend to orgasm and come and then lie down on his chest. And then they were going to begin some dialogue. And at a certain point, uh, he gets out of bed and exits the shot. And that's it. That was the whole thing. It was a great shot. Great, great shot. And finally, we go to do it. And, you know, various problems. Hey, it's, it's, it's a wonder. It's complicated. Just failing, failing, failing. I, I don't know where how many shots we got to when suddenly they went to, to you and said, you know, uh, maybe we should think about breaking this up. Someone's got to break this to Toby that this wonder is not going to work anymore. We must have had uh, uh, 10, 11 takes. Yeah. And, and you have to understand, the audience has to understand, you know, in Tales from the Crypt, we would do a, a, a long take, a big take would be four or five ton, times, and then you print one or two, and then you move on. We never did. We never did. You know, twenty, ten, even even eight was a lot. You we know, would just do yeah. four or five. Move on. You know, let let's stop to remember when God, because we were shooting film. Yeah, and that was a whole, a whole other thing. You know, these days you can shoot as much as you like. It's just it's it's just memory. But yeah. back then, you know, all right, it was film stock, and then you weren't going to print all of it because you weren't going to give all of it to the director. You you know, to to, to the editor you. Yeah. You know, you were only going to print some of it. 
So uh, the rest of it was simply going to get thrown out. And that's wasted money. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, the, the fact of doing all these these takes, it was it, it was oh, the day was beginning to we're you know, we we got to make the day. You know, we, we can't die here on, on, on this one on, on yes. this one. Show. <clears throat> uh, and so he said, just one more, one more, one more. And all right. All right. So now we're all standing around the monitor because now now. All right. Now time is money. And yeah, it's now or never. And everyone's ready. And Toby yells, all right, action. And we're on the mosquito netting and they're beginning to have sex. And we move down. And he says, vanity. And vanity sits up, sits up into the shot. It's perfect. And she's riding him. Oh, she looks fantastic. And and he says, and come. And Vanity has her fake orgasm and she comes and she finally settles onto James Remar's chest. And it's great. The, seat, the shot is perfect, perfect, perfect. And they do their dialogue and it's great. It's perfect. They're just nailing these lines, pop, 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 pop. And finally, James Remar goes to get out of the bed. And as he slips out of bed, his erect penis pops up into the bottom of the shot and he walks out. Now, we all saw it. We all saw his erect penis pop up into the bottom of the shot, but we didn't say anything. We didn't well, that's suddenly. What, that's what we call good acting. Really. <laughs> oh <good>. my god! <laughs> I mean, we. I think we all kind of thought, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And, and when, right. when, when 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 Toby finally called cut, we all go look. I didn't see that. You didn't see that. But we all saw it, and finally, get to the end, and Toby yells cut, and he turns to look at us like that was it. That was it. And we all said, well, Toby, we're not sure, but we think we think we saw it. And of course, yes, his penis was in the bottom of the shot. And and he was crushed because you know, that was his last shot. And we said, all right, we, we gave him one more, one more. And he got it. He did. But that affected us. I think that I think that might have been the day. I'm not sure um, when, you know, we broke for lunch and we used to always have lunch with the director. And Toby wasn't a great friend of mine then. We, I think it was the first time we've ever really worked together. He since then became a very close friend of mine until he, until he passed away. Mm. But Did he not win any, any Freddy's Nightmares? Yeah, I think he did. Mm. Okay. I think he did. And, and anyway, so, so he came to me at lunch and, and he sits down. I go, hey, how you doing? And he goes, I, 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 I screwed up, Gil. I, I don't know what to say to you. I'm, 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 I, I'm, I said, calm, calm down, calm down. We can fix anything. What happened? Well, well, I, I you know, we have another half a day. I, I, I have, I have nine shots. I, I, I have twelve shots. I, 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 there's no way I can get twelve shots. I don't know what to do. I, I, you're gonna, we don't have the time. I said, okay, okay. So, tell me exactly where you are, because I think we were upstairs rewriting or doing something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were shooting, and I said, okay, tell me. And he told me, and I said, okay. So after lunch, you're gonna go back onto the set. And you're going to continue shooting in the direction that you're currently shooting in. So there's no change of the lights, except for tweaks. And then I'm going to go upstairs and talk to Alan, and we're going to come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to come down in about 15 to 20 minutes. And we're going to we're going to show you the plan. I might even have an idea for shots, maybe. Um, but you'll tell me what you think. If you like it, then you'll do it. And if you like the shots, use them. If you don't like them, don't use them. Use some of them. I don't care. But we, it'll be a plan to get us out of the day. And I think it'll be a plan that will also serve the integrity of the episode. Hmm. And if you don't like what we say, then I'm going to go back upstairs and we're going to come up with another plan. So the just easy, take it easy. 
go back to shooting. I'll see you in 20 minutes. And we went upstairs and we came up with a plan. We came down to see him. I said, Toby, you know, I could do the, I can do this afternoon in, 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 in nine shots or eight, whatever. And it makes mm. the day. Mm. And I said, but, but there's also a change in, in the, in, in the script. Yeah. And, and the change in the script is, you know, you know, that other set next door we were going to go into where he, where he hides the, the, the black pearl. He goes, yeah. I go, we're not going into that set. We're going to stay in this set. And I'm not mad at you because I, I, we, 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 we built it and we, and we painted it and we lit it. We spent a lot of money on it. We're not going to use it. We'll re use it on some other episodes. So that's not a problem. And you're going to stay in this set. And he goes, but, but, but Gil, where are we going to hide the, where are we going to hide the black pearl? And I said, please let me finish. And I, and I said to him, you ready? Just listen to the whole thing before you hate it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he swallows it. He goes, what? I said, he swallows it. And the way we're going to reveal it is on insert day, where we have a lot of inserts to do. We're going to have a shot. I think it's medium shot. I think it's a slow push in on the, on the cadaver. Yep. We're going to see a knife and a hand come into frame. Squishy, squishy, squishy opens up the cavity. A hand is going to come in and pull out the pearl to camera. And that's how we're going to do it. And 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 I'm just watching Toby react figure. He's going to say to me, that's the worst shit I've heard in my life. And he goes, but, but wait a minute. That's, that's fantastic. That that's better than what we had before. Before what? we just had him going into another room and finding the pearl. Yeah. Believe him. Nobody will believe this. This is fantastic. He's let me see that shot list. And he, and we saw this, he took a look at the shot list and I said, look, this is a way of doing it. I'm not telling him you have to do it this way. If you want to, great. If you want to change it, great. But this gets us out of the day. Economically. I, had, I had totally forgotten that, that really, that it was because we had so much trouble getting that first shot that it really, it, that was what gave us the better yeah. story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's how we, and that's how we worked uh, on a lot of the scripts with yeah. a lot of the directors in that very fashion, because it wasn't about, you know, okay, a lot of producers come down and say, listen, you got a half a day to get the show. I, I don't care how you do it. I'm, I'm closing you down in six hours. Well, that doesn't, you know, you and I looked at it and said, that doesn't help anybody. It puts more pressure on the director. It doesn't help us get a good show. So why, why would anybody do that? Why don't we, why don't we figure out a way to suggest a way out for them that mm -hmm. they can accept or reject and let them know that they can accept and reject it. And that we'll just keep working on it. And that seemed to work really, really well with our show and really on, on the movies that I made subsequent to that. I've got uh, one more memory from, from dead weight. <clears throat> and again, it was, you know, it was the first time. So it was the first time that we were, you know, uh, episode that we had written. And uh, yes, I got, you know, always got to sit at the, at the front table, the, the production table, but this was now as co-writer. And so this was, you know, a, a big moment inside my head. I've, yeah, you know, I'm thinking, look at and you. And rightfully so. Look, <clears throat> look, look at you. Yeah. But there was a very harsh lesson about to come. Now, we, I have learned subsequently that really every script has, needs to have two different versions. And one is the, the sales version, the pretty version that is for the executives. It's, it's the pretty thing that, that, that you're going to sell. The other version is a technical document that is the blueprint for all the department heads and how they're going to get their work done. 
And it needs to be, it really needs to be a very direct uh, document filled with, with uh, specific information that these people can use to get their work done. Yeah. Uh, all right. So with that in mind, uh, we uh, we begin to 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 do the the production meeting. Our production manager was the wonderful F. A. Miller, and F. A. did not suffer fools at all. <laughs> F. A. should also be a, a a topic for an entire hour because oh, he was right. such a special man. God, yes. Well, and we'll get all the people in who who knew and worked with F. A. Yeah. And that will be oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So F. A. begins to read the very first line of the script because there's a there's a production issue that we've we've bumped into. And it says, it's hot. It's so hot, even the palm trees are sweating. <laughs> and so begins a 10, 12 minute conversation, how to make it look like the palm trees are sweating. I am now sitting there at the head mocker table, one of the head mockers thinking, no, no, it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. I, I didn't really mean. And so finally, I put up my hand and, and I said, um, <laughs> F.A., excuse me. Uh, I did not mean that the palm trees were literally sweating. It was just a metaphor. And I'm actually doing the sweating for the palm trees right now. <laughs> and and F.A., in that puckish way he had looked at me, took a breath and said, Moving on. <laughs> I learned I learned such an important lesson that day at, at that production meeting, sitting at the production table. Oh gosh. Yes, yes, yes. When when it comes time to actually hand the script to the people who have to do the work, throw out all the poetry. They don't need it. Yeah. It Good will advice. only get in everyone's way. Good advice. <clears throat> uh working at the A1 Globe was uh well, it was it was an interesting place to work, but when we got there, it's no longer a it's not it's not a pasta uh, a pasta warehouse. It, it, it's not a uh, production facility. I think it's stores now. It, it was torn down. But yeah, there's a, I think there's an Albertsons and there's another yeah, department yeah. store there. It's quite amazing what's what's there now. Then it was just a, a warehouse on the top of a ramp right. that we would drive up and you would park there and go into the into the into the facilities. And there were a few problems. More than a few. One of them, you know, which was a very serious issue was yeah, yeah, yeah. before we got there, I think a week or two before we got there, um, an electrician um, was electrocuted. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, and we sort of were taking over the show just as this was happening and we were being told about this. Well, yeah, it, was, it was the back. There was a, a huge panel, electric panel at the back. Yeah. He had been servicing it, something and it yeah. had just thrown a, 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 a... an arc. Yeah. Wow. And just took him, took him totally out. Mm. I don't even think he ever felt what happened. But here we're coming into this, doing the show. And the, one of the first things we hear is this happened. And I'm like, what? How could that happen? I mean, how could anyone? So when I think about Rust and what happened last year with the gunshot and this yeah. the, the, the photography dying, yeah. I was thinking back to what we did. And, you know, we learned that very, very early on how important it was to be totally, totally transparent with the safety and to make sure that everybody understood what their jobs were and how to do it. What was your, when, when, when you saw that, that the, this terrible tragedy had happened on a film set and, yeah. and I, I feel the same way about uh, the one where the, the train 
they were yeah yeah the people and my yeah. first thought was what the fuck are you all doing yeah. how as if the producer head went how could you endanger how could you endanger right. your family like that because ultimately you're the one who put them out there right I mean, there are some things more important than making a movie or a TV show. I know our audience is going to ha have a hard time believing that, but but there is. And so, you know, you and I did a lot of full body burns in Freddy's Nightmares and in Tales from the Crypt. And with full body burns in those days, the gel allowed you, I think, 26 seconds before, you know, the gel was done and, and flesh was going to burn. So we would be rehearsing it, rehearsing it ad nausea. Uh, you and I, I think, were both on the set. Certainly, I know one of us was on the set, mm -hmm. but probably both of us, each time we did the foul body burn, and I would have conversations ad nausea with the special effects guys. You were meticulous. I mean, this this was this was and this was you were rightfully obsessed, and and you yeah. you made sure that, that that you know that the first announced everything that there was that we that everyone understood exactly what what the the protocol and the process was going to be. I mean, I would even have pro I would even have problems with some of the our, our stunt guys because they would say you're jinxing this kill. I don't need an ambulance outside. I don't need a, a, a big bucket of ice, you know, like a big, big uh, galvanized can of gar a garbage can full of ice, you know, 10 feet away. And I would sometimes lie to them and say, okay, no, no, we don't need an ambulance. And of course I, I had the ambulance another half a block or another behind another car. Um, but you know, to, that to, to the good news is no one ever suffered any burns, even minor ones, hmm. Because we were so nuts about it. Yeah. And I think today, you know, as I've learned over the years, and as you do more things that are dangerous, you know, you just have to make sure and be the be the bottom line, be the responsible party that you need to know what's going to happen. You need to make sure it's safe. And it doesn't matter what other people say to you. It doesn't matter if they tell you, oh, no, I got that covered. I don't believe you got that covered. I don't give a shit if you got it covered. Mm -hmm. Tell it to me again how you have it covered, and then show me how you have it covered. So anytime we would do guns, we were always looking inside oh. the guns. We were always shooting the guns at, at a blank space before they would give them to the actor. If we did body burns, the same thing. Well, you know, we would make sure we would rehearse. You know, I remember checking up a guy's nostrils to look to see that the gel, that there was enough gel up there. Because mm -hmm. one of the first things that will happen is it'll go right up your You'll nose. Inhale, right, right, right. So, you know, today, I don't know if people have forgotten about that or not, but that's one of the, you know, I don't know how I would feel or how we would feel if anyone got seriously injured on, on a movie set or a TV set that we that was ours. Oh. I don't know if I could live with that. No, no, I, I, no, completely. Un, I, it's a movie. Yeah. We're just telling right. a story here. That's why when I see things today happening, like what we what we were just referring to, I I have a great deal of difficulty understanding how that could happen. Who somebody wasn't doing their their job? How was their live ammo anywhere near that set? Yeah, one plus one equals two. Uh, how did it get? In, and how did it get into that gun? You know. Anyway, we we took over the show, and that's the first thing we were confronted with, that this guy was killed from electrocution. Yeah. I think it had a great impact on the two of us of how we then proceeded with any kind of stunt, with any kind of uh, dangerous event. And I think, I think you know, uh, to some degree, I think it served us well to learn that lesson so early on.
uh, have uh, over the course of your career, what's the biggest stunt or what's the most dangerous stunt that you oversaw? I'm sure it's something on Valkyrie with Tom Cruise because he wouldn't listen to anybody. <laughs> oh, tell, tell. I, I, I think it's him hanging hanging on the side of the plane, but I'm not. He he. he okay, for instance, I, I I've never had the uh, the pleasure of working with 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 the man. What 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 is that like exactly? It's very difficult. He's a nice fellow. He's yeah. a very hardworking man. Yeah. Uh, but he takes risks where you know, uh, you as a producer, you as an insurance company, you as a studio, you as a backer, would not want to have that risk taken. And yet he'll he'll just do it and he'll do it and he won't tell you. He'll arrange to have do, do something. So uh, on on Valkyrie, what? Uh, well, it? we had these oh, we had these old ancient uh, planes that we rented for a lot of money for a very short period of time. And um, on the Yonker, which is one of the bigger planes mm. on one of the first days of shooting, uh, he just decided to take it for a ride. After we were shooting inside the plane up in the air. And they got the shots. I said, okay, come on, As bring it down. Fly the plane? Yeah. Yeah, because he's a pilot. So he wanted to fly it. And I was like, and so when he flew over me, he he wiggled the wings to let me know, you know, he knew that I was watching. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, can't 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 you just go back to jumping on Oprah's couch, dude? It's I mean, it was it was it, it gave me pause and made me think, you know, he's playing Stauffenberg. Maybe I could just deliver him to the Nazis myself. <laughs> but that's another movie. Truly, uh, wow, uh, huh. <laughs> yeah, okay, <clears throat> okay. Uh, you know, I, I we were as we were talking earlier, we we, we were remembering we. We accomplished what we accomplished on uh, that first season of Crypt with a million dollar deficit. Uh, we've uh, will remind everyone that uh, one the reason that uh, you got hired, and then because you got hired and I got hired, uh, is because the second season of Tales from the Crypt, the the production went a million dollars cash over over budget, and the, the show was canceled. And the show was canceled. Yeah, yeah, and and the the executive producers had not set up the show like a TV show, which is you know that's that's you know uh, most no TV show uh, can 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 get made for the for just the license fee for just its its immediate first time broadcast payback. It it you couldn't make the show for that, and so you get what's called a deficit partner. At least in the old days, yeah, there's a deficit yeah. partner, and they were going to cover what it really costs to make the show, and. Uh, the partners never had a deficit partner to cover, you know, the real cost of the show. And so, yeah, HBO covered the costs up until a certain point. And, and that suddenly they turned around and said to the executive producers, oh, by the way, get out your checkbooks, boys. You owe us a million dollars. That's you know, for overages. Right. And the first thing that they did was they they canceled the rap party. Right. Which is so important because it's so expensive. Truly, it was. I mean, but from the million dollars, there's probably like uh, you know, three thousand dollars that they got. Okay, now you're only down nine hundred ninety-seven thousand. Right, but they canceled the rap party. They they fired the producer and and most of the people. Uh, yeah, Bill Titler. They they yeah. 
And they hired you. There were a couple of people left over. There was a, an accountant, I remember, uh, named Rob. Uh, I I have a memory. Rob had extended his time and extended his time and extended his time. And I think you were you were so on to him. And you mentioned that to Joel, that Rob really had finished everything that he needed to, to button down weeks before. And so we we were sitting in Joel's office at at Warner Brothers before he got Dick's office. But and uh, he gets Rob, the accountant on the phone. And getting sitting there watching Joel (laughs) (laughs) slowly allow someone to hang themselves and and rob he would go so rob you you got this project and, and you had just fed joel this information uh so rob you yeah you you you, you got to work on this yeah you you, you finish this project now you, you think you need a couple more weeks on this yeah i think i might need a couple more weeks on that yeah yeah oh, okay you need a couple more weeks no okay how about this project a couple more weeks on that well yeah maybe a couple of weeks oh, okay a couple of weeks on that and watching him hang himself and hang himself and then joel turned around and uh, it was one of those things. Oh, you're so glad you are not the one being held up on the the end of a pin and 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 just destroyed. Uh, it was it was the first time I'd ever watched anyone anyone <laughs> uh, Joel. I, I'd never watched anyone do that to anyone else before in my entire life. Yeah, but you know something that guy deserved it. I mean, he. Oh my god! He was, yes, he was. He was stringing them along. Oh my god! Yes, taking them his paycheck and not doing any work. Oh yes. Oh, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I, uh, but this was all part of the the education of 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 Miss Jean Brody here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Among the stories, among the other stories that that we um we hadn't told, uh, yet, I will drop two words and and just see how you react. Uli Idel, <laughs> who oddly enough to this day, to this day is somewhat of a friend of mine. I mean, I hear from him. He lives in Germany now. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll get an email or a phone call from Uli Idel. However, I don't know how or why that's happened. Yeah. When he was doing Tales from the Crypt. The episode was called Came the Dawn. Came the Dawn. It, it's it wasn't a terribly memorable comic, uh, although it was written by this was written by our friend Ron Finley. Ron had the same yes. age as, as we did, and Ron yeah. was a lovely writer. He he did a couple of, uh, of, yeah. of good yeah. episodes, uh, and we got uh, Uli Idel to direct it. Uh, Brooke Shields, Perry King, Michael J. Pollard, and your cousin Valerie right. Wildman. Valerie Wildman, and you know, as we said earlier, we usually do like three or four or five takes. Yeah. And we print one or maybe we print two and we move on. Yeah. And this was a day we were working in the office. They were shooting in Malibu and uh, we at had a, a restaurant. They, they were shooting at, at a restaurant at uh, Saddleback Saddle, Saddle Lodge, Saddle Peak Lodge. Yeah, the Saddle Peak Lodge, which is a great restaurant in the hills yeah. above everything. Yeah. It's, you know, above really, Malibu. Like, like a, it looks like a big hunt, hunting lodge. Right. And so all of a sudden the phone rings, you and I are working and it's my cousin, cousin Valerie. And she Hi, said, cousin I, Val. I, I, yeah, I go, what, what's the matter? What are you calling me? What happened? She said, well, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, uh, but we're shooting with Uli and we're still on the first shot and he's on take 27. And I went, what? And, what and, Valerie, was, and Valerie was in that scene. It was a restaurant scene and she yeah. was in it. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying, I don't know what I don't know what else to do differently. He just says, do it again. Do it again. 
So I said, okay, okay, take get the first 27. AD. Take 27. Get the first AD. I want to talk to the first AD. Get him on the phone right now. Stop everything. And the first AD came on and I yelled him, you know, yelled at him. And then he was referring, well, I can't, I can't stop him. And I said, okay, stop everything. Stop shooting. Get it, get Uli on the phone with me. And Uli got on the phone. I said, are you out of your mind? What, what are you trying to do? Kill me? You're never going to finish your day. You're never going to even finish this scene. How could you be on take 27? Well, I don't have it yet. I said, well, let me help you. You have it. Okay. You have it. And I'm coming down right now. And you better be on the next scene. And I, I, I stormed out, hung up the phone. The got trip, in the car. The, now the trip from where we were like in Simi Valley out to where the Saddle Peak Lodge was, was a half hour itself. Yeah. Half hour. So there's another 30 minutes of, of filmmaking is happening right. while you're in transit. Right. And I get there and he's still shooting. He's on take 35. <clears throat> so I just, take I shut 35. him down. I just, I just shut it down. I said, you're finished. You're finished. You're going on to the next scene. And, you know, I, I was ready to kill him. And I said, do I have to sit here for the rest of the day and adjudicate what things you're going to print and what things you're not going to print and call you on it when you take four or five and he, and, and we had a chat. I stayed for lunch. I had another chat with him over lunch. And I, and I just said to him, I can't afford to stay here. I can't afford to have you take more than four or five takes. You need to tell me right now you're going to do that. Or I'm going to fire you right now and I'll take over the show. And he said, <clears throat> okay, I'll do it. Okay. Okay. And I said to well, the AD, you put it that way. You, you call me every, every time you finish a shot, you call me. I want to hear something. How many takes did we do? How many did we print? It was like you you were putting an ankle bracelet on him. Yeah. And that's how we got through that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I I you know what what got into his head? He suddenly thought he was Kubrick. I, I don't know what got into his head. I guess he figured no one's it's tales from the crib. No one's gonna stop him. Uh, they were in deficit a million dollars last year. They must be going into deficit for two million this year. And the scene that he was shooting was not it was not a key scene. No, it was two people sitting in a restaurant eating. The dialogue scene. Yeah. What yeah. What more could you possibly want? Right. You're, you're gonna You're gonna end up. It's gonna. It's gonna be you know, pop, pop, pop. Coverage, 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 coverage. Anyway, what the hell? I are think you doing? maybe. I think maybe he liked the food that we had, the, the prop food, and every time he went over there, he took a nibble. That must be it. It must be it. Gosh, this was fun. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I mean, these these are sort of stories out of. Uh, out of our memories that, you know, we don't really think about very often, but all of a sudden Alan will say something or I'll say something and it'll trigger a reaction from him or from me. And we'll just start riffing about oh my God. some of the fun and some of the silly stuff that happened along the way. And it may not have been silly or fun at the time. No, in some cases, it, it absolutely, the last thing it was, well, you know, the, the Uli Adele thing we can laugh at now, but that oh, was yeah. maddening. It was maddening. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. We were just remembering, uh, when we, when Ron wrote the script, I'm just remembering this. Uh, he he intended it, the casting that we ended up casting Book Shields to play the female lead, but he wrote it having a buxom woman in mind, and so he wrote as she takes off her her shirt at one point. I think there was a sex scene. He describes her her bra as being industrial strength because her breasts were going to be industrial size large, I guess, was the intention. And so this was a, I was talking about the, the palm tree sweating. 
This was the palm trees sweating. This was yeah. the industrial size, the, the industrial strength bra was, was because of the anticipation of, of a different kind of casting. But we cast Brooke Shields. And, you know, Brooke Shields is a very pretty, petite in that way woman. She, she's you know, not a large-breasted woman. And so when, when we designed an industrial strength bra for her, when she took off her, her clothing before this sex scene, it, it, didn't, it, it didn't make the sex scene work because it, it was not a sexy bra. It was industrial strength on, on a woman who didn't really have much in the way of breasts. And so it was an odd choice. But again, it was one of those things where we just, we never caught that. And all I can say is it's a shame we didn't have those sweating palm trees. That would have helped us out, I think. Yes, it was something else to look at other yeah. than that industrial strength bra. Right. And and on that note, uh, hey, uh, it's always fun just to shoot the shit with you, man. Likewise. Brings back those great memories that we had when we were working together day in and day out, 14, yeah. 16 hours a day. Oh, man. Hey, those were the days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, let's bring them back. Should we say anything about the podcast on December 17th? Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, while, while before we, we completely sign off on December 17th, that, that that's right. We're, we're going to do a, a script reading for charity. For the motion picture home in Woodland Hills. And a, yeah, great admission, charity. Yeah. yeah. And your admission is a contribution. We're going to have a website. We'll have it. And you, the, the money will go directly to the motion picture home. It's not going to filter through us. 100% of the money goes to the motion picture home. Right. And whatever you can afford to give. I hope some of you can afford, you know, to give a little bit more generously. But in the spirit of the holidays and Christmas, we wanted to use our podcast to do something that might help people less fortunate than us yes. uh, both on, on both sides of this, you guys listening and us talking. And uh, the motion picture home, we know, does an incredible job of helping mm -hmm people who are somehow related to the film industry, medical, housing, it just goes on and on. So we're going to do it on the, on the 17th. I think it's at noon, right, Alan? It is at noon Pacific time. Yeah. And, and so uh, think about that and, and maybe try to take a look at your piggy banks and think about how much money you want to contribute because it's really good cause, a really good cause. And uh, it'll be entertaining too. It, it's the, we will be reading Dead Easy, the, the second Tales from the Crypt feature film that never was. Uh, we'll be doing a slightly abridged version of the script, uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be fun to 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 get a taste of of the second tales from the crypt movie that could have been. And maybe you guys could decide whether we should have made that one or we should have made Bordello. And listen, oh dear. Be, be gentle, be gentle, will you guys? Really. Um, uh, so we'll 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 see you all on the seventeenth. We'll 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 see you before then. I hope. Uh, thank you for listening as always, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you. The How Not to Make a Movie podcast is executive produced by me, Alan Katz, by Gil Adler, and by Jason Stein. Our artwork was done by the amazing Jody Webster, and Jason Jody, along with Mando, are all the hosts of the fun and informative Dads from the Crypt podcast. Follow them for what my old pal, the Crypt Keeper, would have called terrible Crypt content.